It is the early morning show on draft day. Let's go. Adam Crowley here with you as always. You know how to get involved. 412-928-9370, the number of the call, or on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. The text line also at 412-928-9370. Omar Khan gets his first shot at this thing. Andy Weidel is right-hand man. Mike Tomlin, it's a chance to help the Steelers get back to contender status. Help the Steelers get back to the playoffs. Today, going to go a long way into determining the future, I think, of Kenny Pickett. I don't think I'm overstating things there. You get him weapons, you get him a blindside protector, you get him nothing, you get a corner. Those, to me, the two biggest needs for the Pittsburgh Steelers, offensive tackle and corner. Anything else, to me, would be a disappointment, and that's where we start. We start with best-case, worst-case scenario for the Steelers in this year draft. Our good friend Jeff Hathorn going to join us today at 7.30. He was on with the PM team yesterday, and his best guess, because that's what we're all doing here, guessing on who the Steelers will select at number 17, was Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia. Now, I don't doubt that that kid will be a good player. A lot of people seem to think he's going to be very good. That's just about the worst-case scenario for me, though, an edge rusher. Or if it's Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, that's a guy that they say could play inside, he could play outside. Well, how about you do one thing? But even for the Steelers, I don't, I don't want him to do the one thing, which would be rush the passer. You've got edge rushers. You've got TJ Watt. You've got Alex Highsmith, who's about to get paid, who had 14 and a half sacks last year, a year after TJ Watt tied the all-time single-season sack record. And I know that the Steelers' defense was not the same this year. Of course it wasn't whenever T.J. Watt got hurt, but come on now. I I get why Jeff said it. I mean, they're in no man's land at 17. That's why, to me, it's a worst-case scenario. What if the top three tackles go off the board? Or, hell, what if worse, the top four tackles go off the board, and the next guy up is, what, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, who you don't want to pick at 17 because you think maybe he'll be there at 32. What if your top three or four corners are off the board. Again, a worst case. Ideally, you'd trade back, but what if you don't have a dance partner? I would rather draft a wide receiver than an edge rusher. Again, I understand what happened to the Steelers when T.J. Watt got hurt, but is that worth spending a first-round pick on? A top-20 pick on? A guy that at best is going to be a rotational player this year? Is going to play, what, 25 snaps a game? And really, if you got the most out of him, it would be because T.J. Watt or Alex Highsmith got hurt. You are set on the edges. You don't have enough depth. I get it. But that's what the later rounds are for. That's what the cutdowns after training camp are for. Perhaps you can swing a trade around that time. It's been done before by the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can address your backup edge rusher position at another point. Drafting guy in the first round would feel like a luxury pick to me. Defensive line, I guess, would make some sense because you're getting long in the tooth there. Even Larry Ogunjobi, who comes back, ain't a young guy, ain't a spring chicken, as they say. Edge rusher, to me, would be my worst-case scenario. What would be the worst-case scenario for you at 412-928-9370? Best-case scenario, you have one of the three top tackles fall to you. 
or you get Joey Porter Jr. or one of those top four corners. Those are the two biggest needs. Look at your division. You've got Joe Burrow. I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to stink forever. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson. But just in your division, you've got two elite throwers of the football when they're on. And your number two corner is Levi Wallace. Your number one corner is on the wrong side of 30 and was more of a zone guy last year. You need not just depth in the secondary, you need a guy. Or look at the quarterbacks. You got to score points. You got to keep Kenny Pickett upright. You need a tackle. Those are the two biggest needs. I don't think that's arguable. Let's go to whoever this is on the phone. Hello. Crowley, Crowley. Stiz, stiz, stiz. Man, draft day, brother. What's going on? Draft day. <laughs> well, that's what I called to talk about. Um, going into the first round of days, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, a, it's an exciting day. Um, and you're correct on uh, building uh, for the future of Pickett uh, on the offensive line. Now, obviously, if the top four offensive linemen are not there, um, then that's where I believe that they look at cornerback and the predictions are out there for Joey Porter Jr. But I'm not here to talk about that first round. Um, I believe you hit it on the nose whenever you said that you you draft this year to protect your asset and pick it. I believe going into the second round, if he is still there, not off the board at first, in the second round, they're going to take Jordan Addison. It really would not shock me, and thank you for the call. I mean, one of the other things is if all those top tackles are off the board, and I've seen some scenarios where this has happened in mock drafts, and I did about 800 mock drafts myself last night. If Smith and Jigba's there at 17, I'm taking him. I'm taking him. Best route runner in the draft. I think he's going to come into the league and be an 100-catch guy. I'm that high on him. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be some draft Nick, something I'm not. The fluidity of his hips and high point in the football and his twitch and yada yada. I ain't that guy. But I watch a lot of college football, and let me tell you, that guy's something special. He didn't test all that great, whatever. If he's there at 17 and your tackles are off the board and Joey Porter Jr. is off the board, and we're talking about a lot of hypothetical situations, I would be A-OK with that. He would come in day one and be your number one slot. Day one. And I think day one could be productive. Short of that, if they get their tackle at 17, there's a lot of options on the board at 32. You can get a starting quality corner. A lot of people are saying you can find starting quality corners up through the third and fourth round. Maybe you take a wide receiver at 32. I would not put wide receiver above tackle or corner, but value... You still need one, I think. He's the best receiver in my mind on the board. If he's there at 17 and you don't love what, you, what you're seeing in tackle and corner, yeah, sure, take a swing on a guy that I think is going to be a really good player. I think we've given like 15 options already with this 17th pick. It's what happens when you're in no man's land. Let's go to Ted, Mount Washington. What up, man? What's going on, guy? Hey, uh, the best case scenario, they trade with the Bears, uh, number nine spot, but, uh the offensive tackles from Ohio State, Paris Johnson. Worst case scenario, trade down, get an extra third-round pick. 
Here's my fear about Paris Johnson. I'm with you. I mean, that that would be the best, best, best case scenario. If it happened like this, if the 49th pick plus the 17th pick was enough to move up to number nine and Paris Johnson Jr. is there, perfect. It's perfect. You could not ask for anything better because Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be good. But I think the entire draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers might hinge upon the Arizona Cardinals at number three. Every report you're reading, they're desperate to trade back. Because they don't need a quarterback. Whether Kyler Murray's the guy or not, he's the guy there. They paid him. So they don't want to be there at three. They want to accrue picks. But if they don't, the rumor is they're going to take Paris Johnson Jr. And if that happens, your first tackle's off the board immediately. You got to think that the Colts are going to draft a quarterback. Houston, we'll see. We've heard that they could go edge. Maybe they take a quarterback. They should take a quarterback, but they got a couple of first-round picks. But I think a lot hinges on what Arizona does. If Arizona takes Paris Johnson Jr. at three, well, you probably take the best tackle off the board way early, and the Steelers are going to be in trouble. Not what you would like to see. 412-928-9370 is the number on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I love this. Talking draft and... You get hit on the text line with, too bad they can't draft a good head coach. I've been working here and doing the morning show for about 365 days. We're almost to exactly a year whenever I took over this post. I think we have about 365 days running a streak of not talking about Mike Tomlin and receive some sort of criticism about Mike Tomlin. It's draft day. Let's have some fun, for goodness sakes. Your best and worst case scenarios for the Steelers today. I want to hear from you. Going to get to the Pirates and their big time. And I think it is a big time victory over the Dodgers in just a couple of minutes. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Anonymous. Hello, Anonymous. Hey, man. Um, I think the worst case scenario is um, I've seen Chris Collinsworth mock Tyreek Stevenson to the Steelers. I think that. That's Artie Burns 2.0 all over. And you know what? And thank you for the call. This gives me an opportunity to do something that I'm going to have plenty of chances to do today, but want to do it early. PM team yesterday is talking all about how the Steelers don't know how to draft and develop corners. First of all, Cam Sutton just got a nice contract for the Detroit Lions this offseason because the Steelers drafted him in the third round, developed him into a good, versatile player, and another team in the NFL signed him out from underneath the Steelers when the Steelers had told us they wanted to sign him. So Cam Sutton's a good player. Does he not count? And he's the most recent example. I'm not sure the Steelers in the past didn't know how to develop corners or didn't know how to evaluate them. Artie Burns was not projected to be a first-round pick, and the Steelers took him at 25. That, to me, is a talent evaluation problem, not a development problem. Eh, maybe a little bit of both. But it's definitely an evaluation problem. When you are the only team that looks at him and goes, oh, first round quality. At least, so I think. So that's what happened there. Same thing with Terrell Edmonds. He was mocked by a lot of folks in the third round. And they reached on him. If the Steelers took a Tyreek Stevenson, that would be very Artie Burns-like. You are correct. Because I haven't seen a lot of people mocking that guy in the first round. But if they took Joey Porter Jr. or Deontay Banks, they're not, they're not doing something that the rest of the league might not have done in the same position. 
Like, that's the thing. If they reach on a player that nobody seems, the collective group think doesn't seem to be a first-round guy, okay, now we got a problem. But if they take Joey Porter Jr., that's not going to be the same thing I don't think as Artie Burns. Everyone thinks that guy's good. Not to mention, Kevin Colbert ain't drafting these guys anymore. Mike Tomlin, yes, has a huge say. And Omar Khan, yes, sat under Kevin Colbert for a long time. But when I'm evaluating Ben Charrington, I'm not bringing up Neil Huntington. I don't think he's doing the same stuff Neil Huntington was doing. So why would I just assume that Omar Khan is going to do everything the same way that Kevin Colbert has done? Especially when he hasn't so far. And whenever he was up in front of the media the other day, he and Mike Tomlin said, ah, our draft prep's about 85% similar to what it was before. So they've already changed, in their minds, 15% of what they're doing from an evaluation standpoint. And you got Andy Weidel in here. It's not the same thing. Why do I have to take the sins of the past GM, who's going to the Hall of Fame, by the way, and throw them onto this GM? It's a different guy. I don't want them to reach on a corner, but if they take one of the guys that everyone thinks is good, that's different to me. 412-928-9370, the phone number, the text line, on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. A massive win. In April for the Pirates last night. We get to that next. It's the early morning show, 93.7 The Fan. I mentioned the Steelers draft fate potentially hinging upon what Arizona does at pick three. Here's another team to keep an eye on because they're goofy like this. The New England Patriots at 14. They could use an offensive tackle, but Bill Belichick also doesn't generally do things conventionally could they take Bijan Robinson the running back that wouldn't shock me they also need a corner could get a wide receiver but the Patriots you just you can't nail them down and I think if Bill Belichick weren't the guy making all the decisions a lot of folks would look at their draft history and go what the heck are they doing most of the time so I don't know what they're going to do It's one of the reasons why it would be great if they traded up to eight with Atlanta or nine to Chicago. Because then you leapfrog a big-time unknown. Washington, right ahead of the Steelers, need corner and offensive tackle as well. But could there be a quarterback there that they like if somebody falls? We shall see. Pirates, big winners last night, 8-1 to over the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I know it's only April, but that is a massive, massive victory. Collins brought this up a bunch, and I think it's really well said, well put, well thought. The Steelers, excuse me, the Pirates can't afford to lose three games in a row. Not now. You know, if you get to July and you've been having a really good season at that point, you've bought up some equity with the fan base, maybe you can afford to lose a few games in a row. But right now, the naysayers, some in the national media, would tell you the Pirates haven't played anybody. And if they lost two in a row to the Dodgers and lost that series, it would be, oh, they finally played somebody and the other shoe has dropped. Well, they didn't let that happen last night. And I'll tell you, I've been encouraged by both of these games. I know they lost the first one and you blew a 7-2 lead. You can't, can't make a habit of that. But I thought Johan Oviedo was the victim of some really bad luck in that game. The defense, which has been stellar, I think, all year long, had three errors. Also, 
a catcher's interference in the first inning, a bloop hit in the first inning. He pitched a lot better than his eventual stat line would indicate. Then he kind of ran out of juice at the end. Rowanzi Contreras yesterday was awesome. Only really had that hiccup in the final inning and still got out of it. Six innings, no earn. And I'll keep pounding the table about this. Mitch Keller is going to go today for the Bucks. As long as those top three stay healthy in the rotation, this team is going to be competitive. Those guys are for real, folks. They're really good. Rowanzi Contreras is a young stud. He's only, for me, going to get better. He made the Dodgers look bad last night. The Dodgers. I know Max Muncy ain't in the lineup, and they haven't hit their stride yet. How can you not be impressed with what Rowanzi Contreras did? And you put up eight runs a day after putting up seven after you had a bad offensive showing, really, against the Cincinnati Reds. Danny in Highland Park, what up? Hey, how you doing, Adam? Great, brother. Uh, I can't believe it's draft day, and I'm just, my mind's on the Buccos. Uh, Ain't that something. I'll tell you what, that was a massive win last night, and here's why. Um, they were a Holderman pitch away from going for a sweep today. If they win today, that'll be the fourth series they won in April. They only won four series the entire year. Great call, Danny. Great call, Danny. Thank you. How about the starting pitching last year didn't get a win until May 11th? And now every time one of these guys gets the ball, you expect to win. They're that good. What a call from Danny. Put it in the early morning show. Call of Fame. Ed and Kennedy Township. You got a you got a high bar to get over here, my man. Uh, listen, how about offering TJ Watt for that third pick? What you the, grab a potential what, offensive tackle. What Ed? Ed, we just had a call of fame, and now you're trying to trade TJ Watt? What are you doing? The guy what's the this day availability, pal? What? You want available players. What? TJ is I want TJ Watt. I'm sorry I hung up on you. I'm emotional. We got a trade TJ Watt call on draft day? What? 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 It's draft day. I'm all hyped up. So I forget if I said this already, but I'll tell you again if I already did. Early morning show presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84lumber.com. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. The sun is shining at 530. That's what they tell me to say. Spring is here. Time to get a great deal on Silverados and Colorados. Stop in and online, sunchevy.com. Partly sunny today. Highs reaching the mid to upper 60s. How about we got one of our all-time favorite callers in the last segment saying, oh, Steelers should trade T.J. Watt to go to the third pick. And do what exactly? Get Paris Johnson? You could maybe get up to eight or nine, get Paris Johnson anyway, and not have to give up T.J. Watt, who set the NFL sack record two years ago. And I realize he's been hurt. When he's healthy, he's the best defensive player in football. Non-Aaron Donald division, if you want to argue that. What are we doing here? Drew Maggi last night got into the lineup for the Bucs. Well, 
He pinch hit for Andrew McCutcheon. Hit one a long way foul. He just barely didn't time it up perfectly. And then he struck out on four pitches. But it was a wonderful moment for him, his family in attendance. And it was the perfect scenario for the Bucs, right? It wasn't some tight game where they tried to shoehorn this guy into the lineup for a feel-good story and you wind up losing by a run and then people crushed Eric Shelton for it. No, this is the perfect situation. The only thing that would have been better is if Maggi would have gotten a knock. But you fold him in, you allow him to have his moment in a game that you were most assuredly going to win. That was great. And the footage afterwards where he runs into the clubhouse and everyone's going nuts for him. Hell, even during the at-bat, all the players are on the top rail, the dugout going crazy for him. And then in the interview post-game, he was getting emotional. His dad got emotional when he was interviewed by Robbie in the seats. Awesome. And add another chapter to this feel-good April for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And today is a day, a big one for them. Today is sports bliss in Pittsburgh if the Buccos can get it done early. If the Pirates have this series sewed up, Mitch Keller goes out there and shoves three hours, two hours, 30 minutes, good baseball, win that game. Now you're riding high, Bucko fans. The Pirates have beat their high water mark over 500. Just took two out of three against the big bad Dodgers, big blue Dodgers coming into town. And then you get to sit around, eat some chicken, put your feet up, get some suds, and watch the Steelers in the draft. I mean, that is Pittsburgh sports bliss. Pirates would win. Penguins ain't playing. They can't break your heart. Steelers ain't going to lose today, you would hope. It's a great day. And if the Buccos could start this tough nine-game stretch, because Tampa's coming up here shortly with a series win over the Dodgers, what more could you ask for? Let's go to Damien. What up, Damien? Hey, what's up, Crowley? You tell me, partner. Uh, I just heard that crazy call about trading P.J. Watt. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed our record without the dude. It's bad. But, uh yeah, and I'm not willing to take, like, Nolan Smith to replace him and just hope that, uh, you know, fills the void. I'd need about, like, you know, six or seven first-round draft picks to consider it. So I'd just rather stay where we're at and hope uh, Darnell Wright falls to us, honestly. That's my guy, too. Uh, Darnell Wright, uh, he could play left tackle maybe, but here's the thing. And thank you for the call, Damian. And the caller who, who, who did the T.J. Watt crazy hypothetical – one of my favorite callers. Great guy. We all have our opinions. Love when he calls up. Just totally disagree with him on this. If it is Darnell Wright, he shut down some of the best pass rushers in the country this year. We're talking Will Anderson. Shut that guy down. Played little left tackle, played mostly right tackle. Fine. Steelers still need a right tackle. That seems to be the big knock on the guy. You really want to draft a right tackle in the first round? I'll flip it to you this way. Do you really want... Chooks a core for as your right tackle. You really want Dan Moore Jr. playing? I don't. And with the addition of Isaac Sayamalo, who is a road grader, the Steelers, I thought last year, got better in the second half of the season, just slamming the ball down people's throats when, not coincidentally, your running back got healthy. They were a good run-blocking unit the second half of last year. You had Samalo, I think you're a really good run-blocking unit. You had Darnell Wright, I think you're a really, really good run-blocking unit. And right or wrong, the Steelers, I think, this year, even with a second-year quarterback in Kenny Pickett, who you'd like to give a little bit more leash to, 
they're going to want to run the ball and play defense. Making your quarterback's life easier should be the number one goal. Again, corner, I'm not mad about, but the number one goal going in should be make your quarterback's life easier. Whether that's protecting his blind side or you blow people off the ball and you run it up their ass and play action comes into the fold, a lot of things become easier for Kenny Pickett that way too. So I like Darnell Wright. The only offensive lineman I'm iffy on is Peter Skaronsky, who I happen to like because I think if you watch a tape, a guy could play. I mean, he could play. Short arms, whatever. Little T-Rex, CeeLo Green arms. He could play. But the collective group thing seems to be he can't play. And if that's what most of the smart draft Nicky type people are thinking, well, who am I to say he's better than they think he is? Darnell Wright would be good for me. Nolan Smith, no. Lucas Van Ness, no. Joey Porter Jr., yes. Deontay Banks, I'd live with it. So many options for the Steelers at 17. They might trade up. They might trade back. Listen at 6 o'clock on your Odyssey app.